This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. I know I do. But I think it's equally as important to know what you'd do with that time if you had it. But learning how to prioritize what's important to me didn't come naturally. It's taken a lot of wonderful, loving people, including a couple of really great therapists, to get me there. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do believe the world would be so much better if everyone had access to a good therapist that did the right thing for them. But until we get to my perfect utopia, I will never stop searching for ways to make self-help and therapy and life improvement more accessible. So if you have personally been thinking of starting therapy, maybe BetterHelp is the right thing for you. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And ideally, if you find the right match for you, we can all learn how to make time for what makes us really happy. Visit betterhelp.com slash make your bed today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash make your bed. All right, y'all, I'm going to be honest. I cannot stop thinking about Cozy, which is some of the most thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living that I've ever seen. And we have talked about Cozy's beautiful products before, but I really want to harp on the Cozy experience itself, because not only is the delivery fast and free, but the purchasing process itself is actually fun. As someone who is notoriously bad at making decisions and commitments to things, the fact that Cozy allows me to fully customize pieces and then physically see them in my space through an augmented reality, well, they fully eliminated my fear of commitment. And when I say the furniture itself is so elegant, I mean it. Everything is carefully designed in Canada with the intention to enhance any space with high-quality products at a fair price. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com to start customizing your furniture today. That's C-O-Z-E-Y dot com. Good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another day of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. If you listened to yesterday's episode, you heard a really small portion of the Baldwin-Buckley debate that happened almost exactly 58 years ago, if you're listening in real time. According to Wikipedia, this was a televised debate at the Cambridge Union Society held on the 18th of February in 1965, and it's since come to be seen as one of the most historic and influential intellectual debates on race relations in America. And before hearing that speech, I genuinely didn't know anything about it at all. But thankfully, Wikipedia exists, and I could learn things like the traditional Cambridge Union was an institution described as the world's oldest and most prestigious debating society. Now I feel like the most prestigious debating society is Facebook comments, but what do I know? 
This debate took place on a Thursday evening after dinner. An overcapacity crowd of more than 700 students and guests of the union were packed into the debating chamber, which is modeled after the British House of Commons. 500 additional people filled the other rooms in the union premises, which were actively receiving that live broadcast organized by the BBC. The proposition, led by Baldwin, won by a landslide majority of 380 with yes, and the no's were 164. But rather than a traditional union speech, Baldwin played to his experience in the church and delivered a sermon on the dangers of white supremacy to the subjugators and the subjugated. As a work of rhetoric, it is widely seen among some of his best, and I do highly encourage you to listen to the whole speech if you can. I obviously couldn't include the whole thing, but I do think it's a really beautiful work, but it's also really relevant to the same shit we're dealing with today. And again, I do think you should listen to the whole speech, but the fundamental central arguments were around the systemic exploitation of African Americans and the deep-seated racism that underlines American society. He offered an impassioned plea for understanding, empathy, and justice, which Wikipedia broke down into five themes, including systemic racism, contending that the social, economic, and political system in the U.S. was built on the exploitation of African Americans. This oppression had occurred from the time of slavery until the 60s, when he was speaking, and that was a fundamental part of the American Dreams Foundation. The second theme was all about dehumanization. James posited that the oppression of African Americans had not only harmed those oppressed, but also dehumanized the oppressor. The dehumanization manifests in the denial of humanity, of black people, which Baldwin argued was a necessary precondition to justify this mistreatment. And the quote from the speech, the real question is really a kind of apathy and ignorance, which is the price we pay for segregation. That's what segregation means. You don't know what's happening on the other side of the wall because you don't want to know. The third of the central arguments within this speech was the individual versus collective responsibility. Baldwin insisted that the responsibility for addressing systemic racism does not lie with African Americans, but with the whole American society. It was the moral duty of all Americans to challenge and change the system. He says, I am not a ward of America. I am not an object of missionary charity. I am one of the people who built the country. Until this moment, there is scarcely any hope for the American dream, which to me brings us to the titular argument and the central argument of all of this, which was him challenging the reality of the American dream, stating that it's not really a reality for so many African Americans who had continuously been denied the same opportunities as their white counterparts. This, he argued, was the fundamental contradiction at the heart of the American dream. And he ended his speech, his sermon, with a call to consciousness, urging us as people, especially white Americans, to confront the ugly realities of racism and that need for change. He maintained that America would never realize its dream until it faced its nightmare, that legacy of racism and exploitation. And yesterday, when I cut that speech at the end, I had to cut out over a minute of clapping because he received a standing ovation that lasted over a minute from the members gathering, which was an endorsement that was unprecedented in that union's history at the time. But as this was a debate, it did not end there. Buckley, 
throughout the 1950s and early 1960s, was loudly opposed to federal civil rights legislation, and he expressed support for continued racial segregation in the South. In the years before the debate, and potentially as a result of the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing, Buckley had grown more accommodating of the civil rights movement, but he did fundamentally disagree with the concept of structural racism, and he placed a large amount of blame on the lack of economic growth on the black community itself. This formed the core of his argument in his debate. It can be broken down into six themes as well, which I will run through quickly. One is the individual responsibility, blaming cultural and behavioral factors rather than systemic racism. He also contends that there has been progress over time and that the conditions for African Americans has actually been improving which proves that everything's okay. He also created a distinction between the North and South, suggesting that these egregious racial issues were primarily a Southern thing, not a national issue. So he aimed to underscore that racism was not an intrinsic part of the American dream, just the Southern one. And again, he really emphasized this idea that the individual is responsible for success or not, and the idea that there are systemic hurdles is just not true. Buckley also argued that the civil rights movement was rife with the communist agenda, which was really only there to destabilize America and not actually better anything for anyone. But the final part of his argument, as broken down by Wikipedia, is that Buckley critiqued Baldwin's position for being overly emotional and not acknowledging the progress made towards racial equality. And Buckley went second in the debate, which means he could have addressed the arguments that Baldwin made. Instead, Buckley really went in on Baldwin's character, and one of his key points and arguments was that the audience's reaction to Baldwin versus critiquing and groaning at some of his arguments was that African Americans are treated equally and were not uniformly discriminated against. And given that Baldwin's speech was not interrupted, though Buckley's was, he really thought he was onto something there. God forbid the man admit he might have made bad points. And that's why he was being interrupted. But you don't have to take what I think or what the crowd thought or what the American viewership thought or what the BBC viewership thought. You can just watch the debate yourself and come to your own conclusion, which I will always encourage. Either way, I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll talk to you tomorrow while you make your damn bed. Goodbye, beautiful.